So there's obviously going to be a lot more Australian press in this country as a result of Ange being. Are you okay with that? Are you gonna Are you gonna be able to get by? Well, as long as as long as they don't. You know, knock out the bells while I'm walking away from the crease, and I'm, I should be all right with that. But yeah, I have. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, and I don't want to know what that meant. That that was a sentence that could have come from Mad Libs <laughs> or your lips only. Yeah. <laughs> it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I thought our supporters are outstanding today, you know, and uh, it's fair to say that, you know, we've, we've put them through a fair bit this preseason, and um, all we can try and do is give them some hope and belief that, you know, we're. we're we're, we're going to have a season where they see a team that you know is, is going to be growing and, and representing the football club the best possible way. And I thought the supporters were outstanding today. And uh, hopefully, they leave the ground maybe disappointed we weren't able to get a win, but at least seeing that you know the players uh, are fully committed to 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 us trying to be a, a football team that that um, you know, makes an impact. The reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 138, and it is going to be a busy episode, and we have a lot of people to say a lot of different things because we've got a full house for the first time ever, I think, in Tottenham Depot history. This might be the first full boat we've ever really had, and it is nice to do so uh, at the start of a Premier League season, and Spurs are off and running after a 2-2 draw away to Brentford. Uh, we will start by throwing it out to Caroline. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you this afternoon? Doing great. I'm I'm happy to have Premier League football back. I watched a ton of soccer this weekend, and it feels like the natural order of the world is back in place. So it's good. Cheers to that. Scott is also here. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, how are you feeling? Good, man. Like Carolyn said, Spurs are back, and I honestly gave a shit for the first time in probably 18 months about a Tottenham match today. It was super nice. Um and obviously we'll get into it, but an exciting, exciting, exciting match. So yeah, all, all is well. Yeah. And we didn't have to remind you that the game was on today. You knew you were ready and, and, so I'm and saying. Ready to rock. it's great. It, I, I'll tell you I what, and, and if, and if Ange can have you ready to rock, uh, you know, he could do anything. I think that's, that's really saying Dude, something. I, I will say that not, not having two wingbacks pinned against the sideline with a big old donut in the midfield makes a big fucking difference. And it was exciting. <laughs> We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Shuban is also with us at The Real Shuban. Shubs, how are you this, this fine day? I'm good. I'm really enjoying this full house that we seem to have. It's, it's I, I can't remember the last time we even had this. So, yeah, yeah. fantastic. It, it's wild because, you know, we're, we're corralling everybody today, and I did, I wasn't sure everybody was going to make it, but 
you know, we, 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 we probably chatted for 25, 30 minutes before we even started here uh, and, and got all, hopefully got all the silliest silliness out. And now we can be, you know, serious podcasters and really talk Spurs, right? I think that's definitely going to happen. Uh, I know this man wants to talk Spurs and he's very serious about it. He's Dakota. He's at Dakota J Booth. Dakota, how you feeling, my friend? I am good. <clears throat> and because I know everyone is wondering the kit that I'm wearing, we're going from strength to strength from one of our best kits to, in my opinion, our best kit, 16-17 kit with Sonny on the back. We only work twice, I'm told, uh, which is a real shame because it's a very nice kit. Very good. Dakota's, Dakota's rocking the, the the visual mediums on the audio medium. I like that. It's very, very well done. <laughs> no, the visual is coming. The visual's coming. I know. coming. Follow him at Dakota J Booth. You'll see him there. TC is also with us. He is at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, my friend, how are you? I'm good. Anytime, uh, you know, any, any day that you can start an episode with Dakota dropping some uh, Tottenham Depot exposition, little Easter egg knowledge is never a terrible thing. I, I don't hate that at all. And, uh, you know, any day that you can uh, start a Premier League season not losing a London Derby. And getting a point on the road is a good fucking day. Glad to talk to y'all. It is a good day. Um, let's let's go right to the lineup because I think this was pretty hotly anticipated. Um, we were all very much wondering what exactly this first and post Kaglu starting eleven would look like. Uh, it came, he came out with Vicario in goal, obviously. Uh, the back line of Royal Romero, Van Deven, and Udogi. Skip Basuma Madison in the midfield in that front three of Kulisevsky, Richarlison, and the new captain's son. Of course, we will come on to that news as well. Um, and honestly, I think the only surprise to, to be kind of taken out of this, Caroline, is that Vandeven started. And I think this is something that we all were excited about and, and kind of ready to see. We just weren't sure after signing earlier this week if he would be able to make his debut. But he was one of four players to make their debut for Spurs. Um, and other than Vandevan, I think the only, the only thing we need to talk about when it comes to lineup is, is who wasn't included on the bench. And that would have been Eric Dyer. But what were your thoughts on this first 11 from, from big Ange? I liked it. You know, I, I think one thing that's going to be really refreshing about Ange is that we're not going to hear constant excuses from him about not having the squad that he needs. Um, he's just trusting these guys. And that includes Mickey, who I think they said had only had three training sessions with the team so far. Um, and I think all the players that made their debut, you know, it, they took some time to kind of warm into the game. I think Van Deven especially, but I, I thought they all had really decent debuts and I'm excited to see more from them. Um, but I think you're right that Dyer not making the squad is a significant talking point. And to be fair to him, you know, we know he had the surgery over the summer, so fitness could be like a slight concern. But it's also just that we're, you know, like I said, Angus is trusting this new crop of players to get the job done. And it, it sounds like Dyer is, is not really part of that plan. So it's, it is what it is. <laughs> I want to go to Scott on Dyer for a moment because, Scott, I feel like Dyer has, has been your boy at times and then he's, been, he's drawn your ire at times. I feel like you've been a little wishy-washy with him over the years, in, 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 and rightfully so. He's, he's a player that has kind of deserved some of that wishy-washiness but um after the announcement of the captain and the vice captains yesterday we kind of got word that he had maybe done some some of that 
silly social media shenanigans where he unfollowed the club and removed any mention that he's even a member of Spurs and then is left out of the 18 today. And um, it certainly is, is becoming more of a talking point. There's just all kinds of rumor about um, a possible link with, with a Saudi Arabian club today after the match, which is very ironic. Um, Ange Postacoglu was asked about uh, Dyer's situation after the match, uh, after being left out of the 18. And, you know, he was very diplomatic. Uh, he said Eric's part of the team. He just, you know, th there were a number of players that were left out. But where are we with Eric Dyer? Because it felt like two weeks ago he was definitely sticking around. And now all of a sudden with a few weeks left in the window, it seems like that might not be the case. Yeah, I mean, my, my official stance with Dyer, you know, was that he was a huge part of, of some great success that we had. And two seasons in a row at CDM and then a center back was phenomenal. And I remember after a couple of beers singing the dude's name down the streets in both LA and San Diego. And, and that being a really high point for me as a Spurs fan, Todd, I was with you, I think that day, but, um, you know, o over time it kind of faded into, okay, maybe he's not as, as important, but it also came with the fact that we have been shit for about two and a half years. And so I just kind of lump him into uh, you know the the group that was shit for so long. So I I don't I don't really know where where that leaves me other than it's probably time to move on. But got nothing against the dude. Um, he's just part of the past, and Tottenham is moving into the future, right? So um, I hope for him he gets a move because I don't want to see him, you know, train and never play a football match all season. I maybe I don't want him to go to Saudi Arabia, but. That's his business, not mine. I just think it's best to, that he leaves Tottenham. And I appreciate his love for the club, and I appreciate that he wants to stay and fight for, for a place in the squad that he loves so dearly. But like I said, we're moving in the future, and I do believe he's part of the past. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see play out over the next handful of weeks. Um, Todd, did you want to chime in there on Dyer? Um, my feelings on Eric Dyer are well-documented. Um I, the cult hero aspect of Dyer is something that certainly exists and is something that at times I completely appreciate. The problem is, is that Eric Dyer's entire career at Spurs has been us waiting for us to see the best Eric Dyer consistently. And the problem is, is that the Eric Dyer that is, is not consistent. Um, we thought he was a CDM. He's not. We thought he was going to be a center back. He, he, isn't a top six level center back and i have for years talked about how much i loathe eric dyer defending in his own box and unfortunately we played the last few years with eric dyer defending in his own stinking box and he got roasted and so i think he was also hurt last year and we gave uh, uh, a bunch of other people a reprieve to get the surgery they needed like Sonny and just, Oh, well, you know, Sonny had a surgery, this, that, and the other thing like Dyer was hurt. He had some rehab that he was doing. I don't know exactly how fit he is, but what I can say is that no amount of rehab is going to make Eric Dyer better than Christian Romero or Mickey Vandeven because Holy shit. Did I just see Jan Vertonghen on the pitch today? Eric, those guys know I'm a bit of a pro wrestling Mark. And I just think, or I, I, I said the best example I can use. Have you heard, guys heard of Garfunkel and Oates? They're like the B team of um, like you know, sort of you know, and that's what that's what really Dyer should be. Should be Garfunkel, Oates, and Dyer, because essentially, you know, 
he was essentially what you call it. He was good, but when you had Toby, he was in between Toby and Jan. Or he was good when he could pass the ball to Mrs. Mbele. He was exceptional because he had those people around him that made him look better than he actually was. He is a very good player. I've seen him play for England, and I've seen got seen quite you know develop over the years. But unfortunately, he is not as good as we were hoping he would be, and he was made to look a lot better than he was by who his partner was. So yeah, he's he unfortunately is the Hall of Notes, or he's the Mike Giannetti to everyone's Shawn Michaels. Oh wow, that's a rockers reference for the kids playing at home. Holy shit! Okay, <laughs> keep it moving. All right, speaking of rocking, I. I think we've talked enough about Eric Dyer, who was, again, not even involved in the 18 today. Let's move on to talking about himself a little bit. Um, this game played out, was played at a pretty frantic pace for, for most of it. And it's kind of, it's almost exactly what we expected to see out of Angelo. With Spurs, a lot of possession, a lot of chances, a lot of shots, kind of the all, all gas, no breaks mantra that we've been told is going to be happening uh, under Postacoglu with Spurs. And, and, and we kind of got that. And right out of the gate, you know, Spurs are able to score uh, 11 minutes in, but it, it, it came at, I guess, a little bit of a price. C- Christian Romero, who had moments earlier, you know, suffered the head injury, then ends up scoring with his head, but came out immediately after, and you could tell something was up. And um, to Postacoglu's credit, yanked him right off the pitch after that, uh, got Davison Sanchez on in his place. And I think the thing that I'm going to take from all of this is I, I wish he had stayed off the pitch and, and wasn't there to score the goal, which I know is very, very strange to say as a Spurs fan, because I'm glad that he scored the goal, but it, it seemed like he shouldn't have even been on the field for that moment. But the thing I'm really going to take is, is what Postacoglu said after the match. And he really made it clear that, you know, this is, this is not something that they want to mess around with. He made that decision to pull him off, even though Romero was clearly trying to stay on the pitch. Um, and was asked about, you know, Romero's availability for next weekend against Manchester United and made it really clear that he doesn't know because that's not a decision he's going to make. He's leaving that up to the doctors and that's kind of how it should be done. Um, what did Dakota, what did you make of kind of this whole situation surrounding Romero? Obviously a great goal for him to score off the free kick from Madison, but um, immediately has to go off. And and then, you know, Davidson Sanchez comes in. We're all probably feeling a little bit, uh, you know, nervous about that situation. Yeah, uh, I put it in our, our group chat, but as soon as he, you know, he scored the goal and you could see it was just like what just happened, what is going on. You just scored a goal, man. Like, celebrate. Uh, Yan Vertonghen, just as we mentioned him already, we mentioned Yan already, but Yan Vertonghen jumped in my mind um, because of his whole concussion scenario uh, several years ago. And I can't remember if it was in the or nothing documentary or something else, but Yan really points to that as a turning point in his career. Of he just felt like he wasn't the same guy, um, you know, playing. And that was that I think was the last time we saw Yan Vertonghen play in a Spurs kit, if I'm not mistaken. Was that game where he because slowly he, he slowly walked off and around the pitch and like sat solemnly yeah. on the bench? I remember that vividly, yeah. So Props to Ange um, for looking out for his players. You know, that's that. It, none of us have that Ange Postacoglu is a good leader, but he really showed it today. And that was one of the, the ways in which he did. So uh, I'm glad Cootie got his goal. 
um, a little vice captain to vice captain action for the first goal of the, of the new season. Um, but we'll see what, what's happening with Cootie going forward. I'm going to take Angie's approach and say, I'm not a doctor, so I will let the doctor do the doctoring and tell Cootie when he's ready to come back. Yeah, I think that's the way you have to play it. And if, uh, to be fair, I thought Davis Sanchez came in and and was okay. Um, I, you know, I think we all get a little bit nervous when Davis Sanchez comes onto the pitch. Yeah, well, he he, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't horrendous out there. No, the thing is, is Davis Sanchez is never horrendous, Andrew. He just always has a wobble that costs us. And today, guess what? He had a wobble, and it costs us. Well, I, yeah, that's that's true. He's always going to have a wobble that costs you. But guess what? They still were able to get out of there with a point. Uh, the giving up the lead, the penalty number one. I mean, we could talk about it. It was soft, but also a penalty. I was really surprised at the reaction we saw on the internet. Uh, to this is why you know officiating sucks, and like I get that VAR had to go back and look at it and look at it in a fairly lengthy clip, but it. You know, it was a situation where the foot got clipped in the box. It's, it's, I always just try to think of it from this perspective. If that had happened to Richarlison, we would be begging for a penalty call. So, you know, if it happens to the other foot, it's going to, we're going to expect it to be called. I don't know. It's just, that was something that for me was, was a little surprising, the, the reaction to that, Chuban. So for me, my issue isn't with actually what happened, it's actually why it happened. Why was Sonny there having to do that last ditch defending as opposed to there being a defender there? As you guys know, I saw Ange Ball last week for the first time at the at, at, at Spurs Stadium. And that's where we're vulnerable. Those half spaces between the fullbacks and the centre backs and the ball over the top of the fullbacks. And I'm hoping they're able to resolve that. But that is a symptom and that's something we have to fix as soon as possible. It's, a, it's clearly a vulnerability that Brentford did look to target. But like I said, I, I mean, I think because I saw Jermaine Jennings got given shit about it. He said he, thought it was a, he was soft. For me, it's a striker's challenge. And for me, if I'm, I'm not big Ange, but if I am, I'll be saying, why was he there? Let's look to resolve that. That's an issue we need to resolve. And, you know, at the end of the day, I was there for the Brentford game earlier at White Hart Lane where they absolutely schooled the shit out of us. So to play a lot better is something I'm going to take. It's a huge positive for me. Yeah, I think that's fair, Shubes. Um, the issue, and we talked about this in the group chat, Andrew, the, the issue that I took with it was not that the penalty was called. It's fair. It was soft. It's fair. It was also a penalty. It's the lack of transparency that exists in the Premier League's uh, VAR system. It feels very shady. And it feels as though there are other leagues throughout the world that are not nearly the quality of, quote-unquote, the best league in the world in the Premier League um, that are doing a hell of a lot better job with this and showing the transparency. Like, hey, just come on the microphone and say, hey, look, he clipped his foot right there in the box. We're gonna, we got to point to the spot. And nobody can say anything about that because it's like that was their logic. We agree that occurred. There it was. And if you go to those lengths, I think you'll get a lot of this like uproar about the way that VAR is affecting the game or the, the way that the uh, referee that calls more penalties than any other referee in the league called the soft penalty and everybody's freaking out about it. Like 
just let him call what he calls, and then you can have your feelings about it one way or the other. Because we none of us here are saying that it wasn't a penalty. So our issue is the way that it was handled. I think that's really fair, and I think that what you're asking for is is completely fair as well. The transparency part of it. We've seen this, you know, we've seen this a lot in the women's World Cup. Even when when the referee comes on after a VAR decision, gets on the microphone and explains the decision. Um, and sometimes it's a little hard to hear in the stadium with with the crowd reacting. Sure, but we at least want something like that. I've also seen these videos of, you know, the behind the scenes conversation uh, between the official, the, the the match day official on the pitch and the the VAR room. Like we've seen a lot of that kind of thing on social media making the rounds, and that stuff is good, and that is a, pl- a place that the Premier League definitely does need to get to. But people saying that's never a penalty that's a soft penalty yeah it's a soft penalty but so- guess what soft penalties are they're penalties, penalties. like they, they that that happens sometimes and it maybe it's a little unlucky it's what you know it's what you call in golf the rub of the green like it's shit just happens sometimes and you got to make up for it luckily for spurs they were able to really get on the front foot after going down 2-1 and they get the goal in this massive amount of 11 minutes of stoppage time before the half through emerson royale Scotty, Emerson Royale, your boy. What is up with the goal from Emerson Royale? It's funny because in our group chat, I was talking about how uh, I didn't really like the way that we were looking with Emerson Royale playing so centrally. You know, he's a he's a right back. He needs to be, you know, out on the on 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 the on the wing and and helping in support of of Kulisevsky out there. And instead, this inverted role it has him playing more centrally. Well, where does he pop up to score a goal? Right in the right in the center. In fact, I think he was more on the left side of the pitch than even the right side for that goal. Scott, what did you think of uh, of your boy, uh, who I, I know you were glad to see start over Pedro Poro getting getting that equalizer. Yeah, it's great for him. I mean, I think, you know, brace yourself because you're not going to see our fullbacks wide very much this season when we have the ball, right? That's just not the system we play anymore. And, you know, I've I've been calling for Emerson to start in that role because I think you end up being a CDM at times who has has a leash or, sorry, you know, leeway to get forward. You're unleashed, right? But, But I think he has the capabilities to sit next to a CDM and be super effective. And as we've seen today, he... He's been pushing himself to 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 become at least you know a pseudo threat in attack, and honestly, we saw that at the end of last season under Conte, even that he was willing to make those inverted runs and get on the ball and do 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 uh, interesting things with the ball at his feet. So I, I'm happy for him. I think that guy's got nothing but shit his entire career, and I frankly think that's because anytime you're at Barcelona, right, you're put on this pedestal, and if you don't live up to it, then uh, you know what happens to what happened to him is what happens to, to all those guys. So super happy for him. I think Ange, Ange obviously trusts him tremendously, and I expect him to have a, a pretty solid season. I uh, I want to shout out Andy Nash who sent us several great questions on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. Um, but one of these is related to Royal, and he, he he asked this: What narrative are you buying for Royal? Is this the payoff? from a year under Conte finally, finally showing off, or is this what he could have been all along in this kind of system? And I think you started to answer that with him being more central um, this, you know, in this inverted role, is this something that, that we might see more of uh, out, out of, out of both the wing backs, not just Royal Dakota. I think that if you look at the, the, the whole, Eve Suma played an incredible game today. Popsar looked good when he came on. You know, Emerson had a great game. I think the problem all along was just Antonio Conte. 
we got him out of the way, and now we've got these guys who are just balling out. So, uh, no. But see, but seriously, I've I loved Emerson Royale before we signed him. Um, I brought him up to you guys a few times. I was hyped when we signed him, and then my support, my my undying support of him, kind of became a bit there for a while that I felt like I needed to keep up just because no one else was saying anything nice about Emerson ever. Um, but no, I, this is the player that I envisioned us signing when we signed, signed him. Obviously he's still more of a defensive player, but he, he is a, a tidy player. He's technical. He can play in the middle of the park and not have any issues. He does need to pick up the pace uh, of play still that that is going to be something that I think Ange is going to harp on him for. Um, but man, the payoff is, is what we're seeing. I, this is the player that we bought from Barcelona and I'm really excited to see him come good. I mean, it's fine. He still can't cross, <laughs> but he doesn't need to. But he doesn't need I, to. I mean, he doesn't more. need to, except for the fact that now we've got an inverted fullback and we've got an inverted right winger in Decky who wants to put this ball on, a left, on his left foot and we're clogging in the fucking middle and we have nobody to overlap and provide a cross going down the right flank. I'm actually really glad you brought that up, Todd, because it, it kind of does lead into a conversation a little bit about this front three, which I thought the midfield was really good today, as Dakota mentioned, between Basuma, I thought Madison was incredible. Um, and, and, and the fullbacks were, were also both very positive, but the front three itself, there's a lot to be, to be learned and, and kind of helped on from this. Um, I don't think either son or Kulosevsky had a very good game. And I don't think Richarlison, while he was getting into some, some opportune positions, I just don't think he had the finishing boots on today. And I know there's going to be a lot said about these three players, but specifically the one in the middle because of, you know, narratives. Obviously, he's replacing um, a, a different a different player who just went out the door. Um, so there's going to be a lot said and written about this Brazilian. And I think that he needs time. Um, this was I mean, this was another one of the questions that we got. And we can just get into that right now, too. Uh, it was honestly it was it was Andy again. And it was specifically addressed to me because he knows where I've been on Richarlison. Um but Andy said, how are we feeling about Richarlison? Uh, he's been really excited about what he thinks he can be under Ange. Still lots to grow from, but the ceiling is rising. It, and look, it is just one game. I, I, I thought Richarlison had a better game than the wingers. I was way more concerned about both Sun and Kulosevsky today than I was Richarlison. And I think there may be something to be said about the way that, that, that they're playing, Todd. Because with, like you say, with these inverted fullbacks, it's going to clog space and it's going to be there's there's going to be some growing pains and some learning about where everyone needs to be. Right. Well, there's definitely some growing pains. I mean, when you look at Richarlison, he had the joint fewest touches of any starting player today, just 34 and registered only one shot on target today. Um, you know, when you when you look at stats like that, it's, it's not surprising. I mean, when you look at Kyogo last year for Celtic, like I think he had the fewest touches of any center forward in football. Like that's the that's the job. Um, the issue is, is that when you get your opportunities, you have to bury them. And unfortunately, Richarlison, um, when you look at and, I, and I'm not going to get into the like the expected goals stats. But when, when you look at the way when, when you look at Richarlison's finishing numbers, um, they're, they're not great. Uh, to be honest with you, Sun 
is a much and, and this is you're talking about the front three so you got decky who wants to cut in on the left you've got son who's more of a stretch pace and not a not a dribbler playing in the dribbler position and you've got richarlison who doesn't have great finishing numbers playing in the finishing role and so realistically what you in my opinion what makes a ton of sense unfortunately is that um decky either needs to go wide or switch and, and play on the other side and we bring in manor solomon and we play Sun through the middle because I mean, either Richie's going to have to get hot or we're going to have to do something special because those finishing numbers aren't going to get better. Thank God matters provided two assists today. For me, the chemistry just wasn't there. Um, though, though each, each individual is very good, but that chemistry isn't there. Again, I'm using another pro wrestling reference Undertaker and Austin, both great, both quotes, but when they wrestled together, didn't, didn't move the needle. And I think I'm not going to say, but it's the same context, but it's similar. I think you need that to have the chemistry, that understanding. That takes time. Obviously, there's a slight, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a big shadow of, of because of who's left. And I think he was import, so important to that chemistry. Um, but like I said, I think give it time because, again, I remember, was it New Year's Day 2015? None of us were all surprised. And then suddenly it all just worked. It all just came alive from nowhere. And so, yeah. and I, but the difference is that I think, I think what was it? I think what call it? Um, about Postacoglu is more data driven, as you said, because Todd named the numbers. But I think sometimes there are some things which supersede the numbers. That's that instinct, that feeling that you get. And um, no, so I, I said I think it's a combination of both. But yeah, give it time. Well, and and I think to your point there, th there are numbers and there is data driven parts of this team that are that are being implemented. But it it also does not feel nearly as structured and drilled as a, a Conte Mourinho system. It feels a little bit more free-flowing. And with that, you need chemistry. You need a little bit of time to gel. So I, I think that's a really good point. Like there, there is a lot of structure being implemented by Ange Ball, but it's not as, um, what's the word here? I guess I, I guess the word I would use is it's not as militaristic. as It's, maybe, it's not as rigid. It's not as rigid. Thank you. That's a better word. I didn't want to use the, 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 the military comp, but it's not as rigid as, you know, the, the previous systems that we've been in, it feels a little bit more free flowing and letting, letting creativity and letting these players figure it out a little bit going forward. And I think there's a lot of talent in this, you know, attack. I think we've all been really excited about what this attack can be, especially when you see the types of games that players like Basuma and Madison did have in the midfield behind these attackers. It's just a matter of, of gelling it all together. And I do think it'll take time. The other thing I think that is really important about all of this is, you're playing a team like Brentford who is playing a formation and a tactic where they are going to sit back and have, let you have a little bit more of the ball. And when you come up against a team like Manchester United next week, that may not be as much of the case. It, it, you know, instead of having, what was it? I think 69% of the ball Spurs ended up with today. That m number might be nice, a little closer. Nice. To, yeah. Thank you. That number might be a little bit closer to 50% rather than, than 70%. And therefore, you, you, there's a little bit more space opened up because you're not going to have as much of the ball. I think that's the kind of setting where Kulisevsky and Son, especially, can thrive a little bit better if they need to use their pace and get get by someone rather than having to break something down and do it from a more you know central position when also there's a fullback in that space and you know there's just a lot going on and there's a lot of lock. Obviously, we we think Madison and and the likes of Basuma and even Skip can can start to pick some locks from that midfield but it, it takes a little bit more when there are more players packed into the box and 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 trying to do them. I and we've seen this in the past against you know the likes of 
you know, the, the lesser, the lesser teams in the league, the, the, okay. the Burnleys, if you will. But over the course of the last three years, four, three and a half years, whatever it is, we lose that game two nil because we don't have Madison picking those locks. It's, and it's a great point. It's a great point. And I think that's a great, a great place to shout out the, the game that I think James Madison and, and, and Eve Basuma both deserve like the well done, well done boys for today. Cause that was, you know, the mid, they ran the midfield in this match, the, the both of them and skip. I I want to, I don't want to like throw skip to the wolves. I thought skip was good too. He just, he got, he got subbed off and, and wasn't there for the whole thing. Um, but the other two really just stood out even more to me. That's that's kind of where I saw it. Scott, did you see the same from this midfield? Because I'm I'm like I said, I'm getting really excited about Ange Postacado. I'm getting really really excited about James Madison right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the, the I would agree on the midfield. Basuma was great. Madison was awesome. Um, and I know Caroline Caroline had something to say, so I'll kick it over to her. But the the, the only thing that I want to point out on the wings before we move on is. I, I think it's very easy to to speculate and try to paint between the lines and, and come up with this picture of what's going on. But honestly, these two guys and Son and Kulisevsky have have found themselves in a position where there's no opportunities to run downhill, right? And that's what they're both very good at. In this system, they're not going to be able to run downhill hardly ever, right? So they're just going to need to settle in. I think but this is the first time they've played in this new system competitively, right? You, you you don't just get drawn up on a whiteboard and you're like, well, fuck, all right, done, we're good to go, right? It it right. takes it takes some betting in, and so I don't make anything about the wing play, and Richarlison's going to suffer when the wings struggle. But as we saw today in this system, it is going to, you know, there is going to be huge emphasis on those wings. If we don't want to get beat over the top, don't turn the fucking ball over on the wing. That's like. Honestly, like the ethos of this system is never turn the ball over out wide. You cannot do that when you're in possession or you will get beat. So we just got some things to figure out, and I don't make any anything of it, honestly. Yeah, I think the two points that I had, one is just going back to like the chemistry point because I think the players who kind of excelled today were – were some of the newer players and ones who weren't getting as many minutes under the sort of rigid Conte system. And I think that showed with like Sun and Kulisevsky struggling the most. Um, I feel like they've got some unlearning to do from last season. Um, but also, you know, going back to Richarlison, I, I know we've been like saying we don't really want to say a certain someone's name in this podcast. But there were times when I found myself thinking if that was him, Sun is releasing the ball and, you know, we've got the ball in the back of the net and he just doesn't You're have that alone. chemistry with Richarlison yeah. yet. Um, but that's going to come. And like y'all said, Brentford being in that low block really didn't help with the congestion we were already having from the fullbacks coming into the box. Um, but the other thing I want to say, just to be kind of like offering a different perspective, is that as much as I think the midfield did do a great job, if we're realistic, the two goals that we scored today, one came from a set piece and the other came from Brentford shutting off when a whistle wasn't called and Royale just capitalizing on that moment. So just, just offering a devil's advocate position there. Those, those are, those are fair points. And also I think that when, when you're in the type of formation that Brentford is in, it, it's almost like we saw a lot last season with a two man midfield. We, we were, we had more numbers, like we were able to run the midfield and that's going to make it easier when you have more numbers uh, in that area of the pitch. I, I think that's, I think that's extremely fair. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, Brentford, 
Brentford, I thought, did a really good job of trying, at, at least late in the game, when we had so much possession, trying to hit those counters too, which will, that is going to be the one part of watching this team that does make me panic. And it's going to make me, you know, freak out when a team is able to hit us on the break because we don't have, I don't think we have very good capability in stopping that very often. Um, and if, you know, to your point on if a certain other striker is, is there, maybe, maybe it's a different game. Well, if a certain other striker is there for Brentford too, who's not playing right now because of a, a little bit of a gambling problem, it, that might be different too. Okay. Well, that striker is never going back to Brentford. And to be honest, there's a decent chance that he might be in Lily white come January. Uh, but that's a different conversation for a different day. <clears throat> what I will say is that I was actually pretty impressed to, at the way that we handled the break from Brentford. Because they got some guys that can fill it up. The guy who came in, I, God forgive me, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But the guy that they had that came in and fill up for to fill in for Ivan Tony um, scored five goals in his, or seven goals in his last five games or five goals in his last seven games or something wild for Brentford last year. He can score, right? And I was really impressed with the way that both Udogi and Mickey Vandeven handled themselves when they got beat over that wing. I was really, really impressed with the way that uh, Emerson Royale and Save a Wobble or three Davinson Sanchez made up for our frailty on that break. This is a Brentford team that beat City twice playing a very similar type of possession-based football to us. So I, I, was, I was happy. The biggest part about all of that, I think, and this is how we actually conceded uh, the, the second goal today, but you, I think under Conte and Mourinho, we were so used to, to continuing to drop and drop and drop and absorb pressure. But if you watch that goal, it's not so much that Royale gets beat over the top, which he shouldn't, that shouldn't happen, right? Or, or we have to do everything possible to avoid that it became like a shoulder on shoulder and, and their attacker just edged out Royale, but it was that ball that they cut back that really cost us. And Sanchez left about 10 yards of space in between him and the man he should have been on. And I don't think that's because Sanchez is fucking terrible at defending. I think that's because he's played in a low block for the past two and a half seasons. Right. And we have to be a little more brave. Now we know that under, under Ange, right. We have to be willing to let those balls go in and then know what to do to, to, to mitigate getting scored on when it happens. Right. And, I, I think today today shows us that our center backs are going to have to be a little bit uncomfortable, right? When when we're tracking back and trying to defend against the break, because again, you just you have to trust your knowledge of of what's expected of you and your teammates, right? And be in the right place. And we just didn't see that today. But again, the first fucking time we played in this system competitively, so um, we just need time. And the person who says that more than anyone is Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, I, I I fully agree with you, and I fully subscribe to all of that. I just you know, and and Todd, I take your point. Brentford have skillful players. They're they're a good team, but they are also not, you know, Manchester United next weekend. They're not Manchester City. They're not even Arsenal. Like they're not some of these teams that are going to punish you when they get in behind in in in, in the ways that some of these other teams can. And Brentford, again, very good, but not not those teams. Dakota. Yeah, it's a good point today. Um to take away from Brentford. They lost twice at their stadium all of last season so to walk away with any sort of result is a good one um and like scott mentioned uh first time ever playing competitively in in the system under Ange. and you know i'm i my approach to this game is the one that i'm going to take for the whole season 
and that is I'm not necessarily worried about points or goals or anything as much as I am understanding uh, of the system and making sure that the vibes are good. And the vibes were good from the jump because our entire team ran over to our away support and had their pregame huddle in front of the away support. And that set the tone, hopefully not just for this game, but for the whole entire season, um, especially this home match against Manchester United, because if that's, if that stadium is full and behind our, our boys, you know, some of us have been there and experienced that moment and it's impossible to not go a hundred miles an hour um, with that fan support behind you. I think it's a great point, Dakota. And honestly, what you say is 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 where I'm at too. I watched this game not expecting to feel as like live and die by every single touch and every single kick. But I, you get right back into it, even though you know the result. Okay, I know there's some people that are disappointed about a draw away to Brentford, but there's also some people that are kind of real. I think that it all depends on where your expectations were. And I think there's some people that realize, and I think everyone here on the call realizes, no, that's a pretty good point. That's a pretty well-earned point. And there's nothing really to, to, to hold your head about. There's nothing to be disappointed about. Um, and to your point, the vibes part of this whole thing, you know, especially when you talk about over the last 48 hours and the roller coaster of vibes that we've all been on as fans of this club, um, the vibes really did kind of reach a crescendo in that moment right before the match where the, 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 the players went over to the corner, clapped the away support, and I thought it was really cool that that Postacoglu was asked about this in his post game presser, and he was asked basically if that was a you know if that was his idea or if that was the players, and he said no, that was that was the players, that was the players led that, and this new leadership group led that. Um, and I just thought that that was really special and and kind of really cool. In fact, let's let's get into that. Let's talk about this new leadership group because we saw the video yesterday, and this is part of this whole vibes conversation. Um, we saw the video yesterday of Postacoglu announcing that Youngman Son is this team's new captain and that, you know, Christian Romero and James Madison are vice captains. And honestly, all the social media stuff yesterday being shared with Sonny holding the armband and Sonny's message to the fans as this club's new captain, vibes were vibes were off the charts, Todd. Like vibes were, were I mean, especially, like I said, this roller coaster were. that we've been on. This was this was where we were at. There's a oh, there's a word. Dakota, what's the word I'm looking for? For the for these vibes, but I can't ah, I can't find it. Caroline, can you help me? What's the word? Immaculate. Immaculate. Mm, they were immaculate vibes. That's a great call, Kaz. No, it, it's something where this fan base was reeling yesterday. There's no way to put it. We walked in to yesterday morning with he who that shall not be named on this podcast, staring the opportunity to win the tr first trophy trophy of his entire career <laughs> before we even kicked the football this season. And not only did that not happen, but we got the news that the way that we wished that person loved our club Sonny loves our club, and that's the one who's going to lead us forward into the new era. I appreciated the shit out of that. The second thing that I'll appreciate is that they just didn't announce a captain. They announced a galvanizing force. Because as you saw when Sun came off, transitioning directly to James Madison with the armband, 
And it could have been Cootie. It could have been whoever. It doesn't matter. All three of those guys bring a different skill set to the leadership aspect of this team. And I think all three of them are better collectively than they are individually. And recognize that. This team recognized that. And because of that, I feel like we have buy-in that we haven't had in a long fucking time from these players. Yeah, if I can piggyback off of that, you know, I, I thought it was kind of significant that they released a photo of, you know, the three of them with this announcement. And it didn't have them sort of like posturing, trying to look hard, you know, as you would typically see in a, in a captain announcement. I, I thought it was really refreshing that they looked happy and excited and there was this sense of camaraderie because I think that's going to be really important this season, the squad having this like feeling of a brotherhood, I guess you could say, um, which I just don't think was the case under, under Conte or Mourinho or whatever Nuno was doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard not to be excited about this trio of leadership. I think like Todd said, they bring something different, each of them. Um, but the overall message is kind of the same. So I, I couldn't be more happy with the choice that Ange made for this, this leadership group. Um, so one thing I want to say is that apparently, apparently Ange bridled uh, the team that played Barca being called a B team. And the fact that when, when you looked at it, it goes, everyone can show leadership. It doesn't matter how old you are, young you are, experienced or not. And the last time I remember that happening was about nine years ago under Pochettino, where the captains, all the captains were announced, Addy and Ernest Cabal. I think Hugo was the second vice captain at the time. And then there was like a, a lot of revolution where literally, no, you guys aren't doing it in training. These guys, these kids are. And it just feels like a new generation that's coming through. And I don't know, it just seemed the fact that anyone could take their chance. And like I said, look, I've asked this earlier. It's you know it's a results business. It doesn't matter what words you say and stuff like that. It's it's the results that count. But and obviously it's you know it's edited. I don't know if it's edited or not. But I just think when I'm seeing the words that he's saying, well, I'm seeing the leadership that's been shown by Ange Postecoglou, which is absent if you think about from the higher ups, those above him. I mean Scott Mund, Scott you know, Scott Mund's undercover or Mundercover as Alice Gold puts him. We've had a very ineffectual leadership from Daniel Lee for God knows how long. He never stands out. I think that like Pochettino, Ange is really leading and galvanizing these people. And do you know what more importantly, I think they would go for a brick wall for Ange, which which sounds really stupid to say that. But I think there yeah, you I think everyone's had that. You know, I mean I've been coached by someone and I remember him just saying to me, Don't let me down. And I just wanted to get that extra whatever I had, I was cut bleeding nose like a faucet but i wanted to get that extra back in the ring i wanted to go out and get that knockout and some, it depends how he speaks to you and i think there's that togetherness and there's something else i liked the players were trying something they were i mean it's just that everyone was doing something everyone felt they could do something everyone felt empowered and obviously i think we guys spoke there was a leadership group obviously some of that leadership group is being phased out and I don't know. This just seems to be a fresh, was it new blood or, or transfused blood of what you want to call it. Do you know what I mean, it's just recycled or something. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest thing about, about Sonny being captain and, and you guys know how I feel about that. I don't think there was another option. And I've 
Zuckerberg's got the data. I've been calling for Sun to be captain since way before we sold Kane. Um, I think he is I don't I don't even take a shot at Kane when I say this, but at our lowest point in a long time when we sacked Poch and Mourinho didn't work out, Kane tried to force a move to City and Sonny signed a five year deal. And enough said, in my opinion, right there. And and Sun came out and said, My team needs me right now. That's why I signed a five year contract. I don't want a guy who may might not even want to be here as my captain. I want a guy who would do anything for the badge to be the captain. And that's Sonny. And someone has to vessel Pustacoglu to the squad. Pustacoglu talked about that in, in his speech to the team, right? This is your, your – the locker room is your area. You're the leader here. I have nothing to do with this, right? He's a vessel for the manager. And Sonny is just an absolute perfection when it comes to the, the, the person to do that for Pustacoglu. So I, I, I think regardless of results and, and whatever else we want to look at, this team has to reset and there's no one else to, to lead that reset than Sun. So it's it's phenomenal and I think we saw that today. So to add on to that sunny bit, I don't think it was announced until that summer after Jose left and Nuno Nuno was coming in and uh the vibes were less than immaculate. Um but Sonny actually signed that that contract extension, that new contract after that loss to Mura that really embarrassing law. It was like just a few days after that <clears throat> is when he put the pen to paper. So Scott, you talk about when the club was at his lowest moment, you know, it wasn't that summer when Chick Kane was trying to force his way out the city. It was low then, but it was, you know, lower when we lost to a team with no manager um, because he was in prison. And that was the moment that son decided to, to sign the, the contract and, and, commit his essentially his, his the rest of his career to Spurs so um yeah Sonny's the only the only option and uh, I'm glad that he's the one leading us forward looking forward to to his leadership style and um Caroline you brought up some great points I think we'll see that togetherness that is fueled by him on the pitch for the, the whole year yeah and and again another piggyback point on on what caroline said about those photos that were released i did think it was interesting that of course we got a few of, of sunny alone we got the video from sunny alone and i hate to sit here and overanalyze a social media strategy but i'm gonna for just a brief second you got the photos of the three of them together and like you said caroline it wasn't them kind of mean mugging it wasn't them kind of trying to look tough it was almost them looking sweet together if i if i dare say it was almost like them looking like caring for one another you know, there was one photo that they it was like all of them like holding the band together and like like putting it on Sunny, like like this is like let's do this together. It was a very togetherness type of photo shoot that they did. And honestly, what what Ange spoke about and, and she went to the point you made, like leadership can come from anyone and it's gonna at some point it's gonna come from a player like Oliver Skip. It's gonna come at times from a player like Emerson Royale. It's gonna come at a times at times from a player like like Papsar, who 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 had a good run out today. Like it's gonna come from all places, and it needs to with a team that doesn't have. I don't want to say this team doesn't have a focal point, but it doesn't have the focal point that it did forty eight hours ago. Let's put this it. This team way. doesn't have a focal point. But like, fair, if you want to just we can't bullshit. We can't bullshit. We need to call it exactly but, what it is. But that's also a good thing in my mind because it doesn't need a focal point when all when everybody is pulling on the same rope together and everybody is rowing the boat together. 
you know, you're not leaning on one thing. And I guess this is kind well, of a I good place to lean to on one thing, but I do want to replace I, 30 goals. Of course. And that's, that is, that is an issue. Don't get me wrong. I, I think I was speaking a little bit more metaphorically than practically on the pitch, but I get what you're saying. No, <laughs> they, they got to replace the goals for sure. And honestly, well, and you do. when we, when we talk about, when we talk about a match day one and two goals that came from Christian Romero and Emerson Royale, like, Oh, okay. Like if, if, if those are guys that are going to contribute our first two goals of the season, Hmm. I can think about maybe, okay. If, if we can get these other guys kick up and kicking, like it's good that we were able to get a point with those two guys scoring goals who are not expected to be big goal contributors throughout the well, season. I think that well, is I a, mean, that is a, a nice piece of it. I know a small sample size, but I'll take goals where they come. Right. And, exactly. and I'm certainly, exactly. certainly not going to disagree with that. I think that the, to be fair, the one common denominator in both of those goals was what we've been talking about this entire time, which is James Madison. So one, 110%. 110%. That's a great call. I think we also forget that last year we saw Brentford as it beat Man United 4-0 or 5-0 in Ten Hag's early days as he's trying to impose his style. And obviously he had his issues with Ronaldo and everything else going on and Maguire and everything else. But Brentford are incredibly dangerous. Yeah, and I was really and and I just think to go to I've got the G Tech, but it's about say um, the old you know, the old name for Brentford Stadium, but to go to the G Tech and to do like I said, it's just we saw we saw like was it post World Cup how just disorganised we were and how ragged we were. What I loved about it, I don't think we saw many hoofs upfield. They had a philosophy, and they even under pressure, they kept to it. I was just really impressed by the fact that we kept believing and we kept belief in it. And sometimes just believing in that system can power you through just knowing that you can just get, I can get over that line. If you believe in it and um, sometimes self-belief and that collective and that, and by the collective as well, not just like one or two players believing everyone believes together. I know it sounds stupid, like like a sermon, but no, it sounds corny. But I get what you're saying. It's something that we don't feel like this team has had for the last three plus seasons, right? Well, and to Shubon's point about Brentford, they're very good at breaking down the wing, and they may they may statistically. I'm never going to look into the data. We all know that, but I think there's a decent (laughs) chance that they're one of the more dangerous teams in the league for the way that we play, right? And and we we suppress them pretty well today. If if a team's going to try to have a ton of the ball, I'm less concerned, right? What I'm really – I said it already. What I'm really concerned about is having the ball and turning it over on the wings. It will fucking beat us all day long every single time, right? And that's that – if I'm plus the Koglu, that's the, the biggest focus for me is cutting that out over the next week and the next week and the next week. And once we get that down, I think we're going to we're gonna be – really comfortable on the ball. Right. Um, and, and, and I will say to, to Todd's point about having a focus too, I totally hear what you're saying about all being together, but you have to have a focus up top that someone that, that drives attention and we're kind of missing that over Charles and I'm not going to go as far to pick as to pick on the guy yet because it's real early times. And last year is completely written off the shit show. That was what Spurs or we finished eighth. Right. So I'm not going to take take much into into account what happened last year, but Richarlison is going to have to become a focus up top. Every system, no matter what you're doing, has to have a big old fat focus up top. We don't have that right now. We we were interestingly enough linked to a big old strong Belgian today. Who knows if that's true, right? But 
But Dude, we I've been watching some... so much stuff about that. I, I hope it's that actually not, comes it's through. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not. I mean, don't. I, for, for what Dakota's throwing cold. Dakota's throwing. No, and cold the reason why. The reason why is because Dakota's right, and we should go and get this guy, but we're going to be safe, just like we were safe with Kim and Jai, just like we were safe with Bruno Fernandez, just like we're going to thumb our bums and miss the boat on Gift Orban as well. We better not. Tell you what, That's the... Don't sleep on Dan Scarlett. Well, okay, hold on. Here, here's the thing, though. Does, does this team need another striker? Or do we think Richarlison will come good and they have the backup options behind him? That's, I think, the, you, the big you question. You need a competition for Richarlison. If, if I'm the board, I'm going out and buying a striker immediately. I know Dan Scarlett. He's, but Scarlett's, Scarlett's a teenager. Like, we we just finished eighth. We have to improve. Michael Owen was Scarlett. a teenager. Michael Owen was yeah, a teenager I, when, when, he, when, he, when he scored that goal against Argentina. So doesn't, I don't I, care how, like I said, how old or young you are. Is Are you doing it on training? Are you saying to the manager – my behavior in training, my example, not what I'm saying, my example, my actions in training, that is, take notice, acknowledge me. Another pro wrestling reference. Sorry. Well, yeah. and, and I'm all for Scarlett getting getting minutes here and there, if that's what we're talking about, getting opportunities. But I, I, don't, I don't see him as the guy to throw the entire offense on and say, here, figure this shit out for us, right? It, it's a big ask. And if he can do it, more power to him. But I, Richarlison needs competition, whether that's Scarlet or someone, and uh, it needs addressed quickly, I think. And I don't want to duck Andy's question from earlier about my thoughts on Richarlison. I said before the season started that last season for Richarlison for me was a free hit. I needed, I, But I need it to be shown to me for this season. And look, it's after one game, which isn't saying much, but after one game, I still need something to be shown to me. And I think we're all kind of on the same page. We're all wanting this thing to come good, but we're more wanting and hoping that it will rather than fully believing that he's just going to take off, uh, especially in this more central role. Um, let's like, I, I don't really, we've already said Harry Kane's name on this podcast. So it's not like we're treating him truly like Voldemort, but I don't want to go into a whole big, long Harry Kane discussion because I think we've had enough Harry Kane discussion on this podcast. There was a Scott and I did a, a, a short little podcast that we put out on Friday when the news came down, the news officially came down on Saturday. And I think the thing that, that we need to take out of, of the entire Harry Kane thing is actually maybe not a place that we would normally go, but I thought it was really interesting. The top, the Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust released a full statement on the Harry Kane transfer. And for those who haven't read it, it's not very long. I'm not going to read it here, but they essentially, um, you know, bemoaned how fans are angry and they're hurt about this and um, really kind of took a took a little bit of a shit on the board uh, for this decision to sell Harry Kane and talked about how, you know, they don't share the ambition of Harry Kane and that's why they were forced to sell him. I thought the, the statement itself was uh, aggressive um, and they basically called for the board to make a public statement and respond to questions on their stewardship and show that they know what putting football first means. Todd, I know you had some real opinions on this. I, for me, I really, really like and respect what the, what the Supporters Trust does. I think they have a, a, an unenviable job and a, a thankless they're, – they're put in a thankless position most of the time, but I also at times just want to say why. Why does, why does this type of statement need to be put out? Well <clears> – <throat> I would first also like to say that I have a great amount of respect 
for the quality impact that the supporters trust make on uh, the game day experience for a lot of fans and the voice that they have regularly carried throughout the community and the, the audience that they have uh, with Daniel and with the board itself. Um, I'm thankful for that. Um, but what I would also say is that they don't owe us anything. And to clamor for that, I guess I appreciate there are a lot of purple and gold folks out there that are super grumpy about the way that things are being handled. And it's hard to argue from a footballing standpoint with the uh, well, with the scoreboard after this time with Enoch. Um, but when you look at the way that this Harry Kane situation was handled, I can't argue about the fact that the starting bid from Bayern was 59 million euro and the final bid from Bayern was a hundred million guaranteed plus 20 in add-ons. So if I'm entrusting the, the fiscal uh, responsibility of my football club to somebody who's going to get me, you know, an additional 40 to 60 million on a deal like this, it's hard to argue with the business that was done. Um, taking the heart and soul out of the club in the way that the supporters trust is asserting that Daniel has done. Um, I think is, is I think that's a, a misplayed emotion. I think what you're worried about, I think what you're upset about it, you being the supporters trust is um, the fact that we didn't buy anybody in 2018. And the fact that you sold Moussa Dembele in, in the middle of a champions league run for $11 million to China, because you didn't want to let him walk on a free. And realistically, I think that there's there's not a lot of ways that fans can separate the feelings that they feel about those losses and those misses by this administration and selling the greatest player this club's ever known. Shubhan? So, those who don't know, there's going to be a protest next week at Old Trafford, uh, the Man, against Man United. I might be at the game, I might not be, because honestly, I don't want to go down to the first game of the season. There'll be a big, massive protest. I mean, I was there for like, the Tottenham Reservoirs where they throwing the purple and gold like LA Lakers stuff onto the pitch and there'll be tons of that stuff going on again so I don't really want to see that um yeah I, I actually quite I know quite a few of the, um, the supporters trust I've known them for like at least 15 years they're diehard a lot of them are local and um, they live and breathe the club like I do but for me do you know what it's weird because it's not as if I mean we've we've seen like oh we're gonna have a fan advisory board which uh, you know the lovely Chuck is now on is, is now part of we've seen this. I don't know whether this is like I don't know like jewelry like it's like you know, do you know when you oh like oh, do you know what I'll make the missus happy she she's annoyed but I'll give her some jewelry or something that's that's what I've always felt like about it. I just felt like just here you go have this feel empowered but it's really just a it's, you know it's a paper tiger position. Um, I like I said, the supporters trust gets a lot of crap. One of the best things they've done was to you know clamp down on the away scene ticket, you know, ticket prices, stuff like that. And um, no, they are they do a lot of work behind the scenes, which they don't get anywhere near the credit for. And and a huge thanks because I don't know if you know the name Darren Alexander, but I made sure that you guys did know the name Darren Alexander because he was a huge reason as why we're still at White Hart Lane. And there's, yeah. there's still mistrust. There's still mistrust about mm -hmm. Levy and Enoch. And just putting up one more thing. I was there when we had the Beyonce Beyonce uh, concert, the Chili Peppers concert, and some kid called Wizkid. So I, I know how much the tickets were going for, how much money was being poured in. They see that. And here's the thing. They know that, you know, if we know, they, we know it, 
other other clubs know it. They know that we're raking money in, and we've they also know we've raised a whole bunch of money from the Hakane deal, and they'll raise our prices accordingly. So, I just feel that you know they they have rightly have questions, but they're not doing it the right way. Well, and didn't we have a conversation previously? It was, I think, like in the spring when they had released that kind of list of questions for the club and did get a response from the club in which I feel like, you know, whether you decide you want to believe them or not, they admitted to to having made mistakes with transfer strategy, coaching appointments, all that kind of thing. And I feel like this new statement kind of just ignores everything that they got in that response, which is baffling to me. And I think they're missing the the key point here, which is that, you know, whether we think it was the best move long-term or not, it, it was kind of inevitable because Harry wanted to go. And when a player wants to go, it's going to happen. You. And I, I was thinking about this because we were talking um, the other day in the chat about <laughs> Harry being a little awkward and in, in the way he was greeting the, the fans in Munich. And one of y'all brought up Christian Eriksen, you know, waving from the window at Inter Milan. And it just made me remember that at the time there was a lot of angst about like, is this the right thing to let him go? But if a player wants to go, it's, it's not going to be, we know it's not been the same totally with Harry these past two seasons. There's no so, question. Right. And so I, I just feel a little frustrated that this is something the trust put their time and energy into when we know that really their scope should be focused more on stadium matters, like things that we can actually control as fans. Like, let's just be honest here. Um, so it's, I don't mean any offense to them. Like I get that they're passionate and I, I just think a better use of their time would be not complaining about things that, that a are in the past and B nothing can be done about. Yeah, I, I, before I say any of this, I just want to say that I, like all of you, have the utmost respect for, for the folks on the trust. I, the last thing I want to do is sound critical of people who work so hard, but the best, the best p picture I can paint, at least from my perspective, is I see all these accounts on Twitter who are just over the top with, with their distaste for the club and, and the board, etc. And when I see that from the trust, my immediate thought was which one of these accounts I follow is actually on the trust, right? Like which one of these super annoying accounts is actually on the trust. And that's something I don't like. I also think the more we push for more spending and this and that, and, you know, even as Shubhan just talked about the more money we have, the more, you know, we, I'll start over fans want more money, right? The more money we have, the more people are going to know we have money. Like, that's just how the game works now, right? So if we want to play in that space, we're going to have to get used to it. But when I see the trust going out and pushing this agenda, it makes me think they're okay and comfortable with the way football is going. And if the trust should honestly be fighting for equality and anti-sports washing, right, that, that we're seeing, like, that would be a great use of their time. But this this statement actually pushes me – to think that maybe they're okay with the direction the football is going. And that's not what I want from the trust right now. I want them to protect Spurs from this. So, No, I think that's a really important point, Scott, that, I mean, to call it an agenda might sound harsh, but it is kind of true that in this statement, they're only representing the viewpoint of a certain subsection of the fan base. And I don't feel like that's the trust's role. Like they're, they're supposed to be a little more neutral and 
you know, only only speak on matters that that pertain to all fans, um, you know, the fan experience, essentially, like not not making it about opinions, because let's face it, I, I think I speak for probably a few of us on this podcast that not all of us are thinking it was the worst thing that that Harry has moved on. Like, I think the club's going to be OK, but I'm not going to ask you know, an official fan group to, to put out a statement saying that, cause that's just my opinion as one fan. No. And you're also not going to ask people to actually feel that way either. There are people that are going to be broken up about this and I get that and I respect that. And I, I feel completely, you know, empathetic toward those folks. I also don't, however, feel empathy for the folks who are begging for refunds for buying a, a new away kit with Harry's name on the back of it. Like, have you not been paying any attention all summer as to what's been going on with this club and with this player? Like it's not, it was not hard to see the writing at least in pencil on the wall. Like it might not have been in pen until yesterday, but it was in pencil and you got to pay attention to that kind of shit. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't really, I can't really get behind people begging for, for, for kit refunds if they bought a, a a new Harry Kane kit, I'm sorry. Like that's silly to me. And that's not, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that, that, that is, again, it's, that's just more red meat to, you know, to this fan base that just wants, wants to play victim all the time for some reason. I don't get that. It's very Napoleonic of, 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 of the fan base sometimes too. It, it, it bothers me. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I also think that, um, a lot of the fan base nowadays don't remember what it's like to lose a legend, right? And so mm -hmm. this is, by and large, for, for a long time, this was Tottenham's MO, right? You you build a player up and Manchester United comes and buys him, Carrick and Sheringham and Berbatov and, you know, Robbie Keane goes to Liverpool and wins an FA Cup. And, like, did you just all these things, just all these things. And I saw something really cool out there that said – they come back and it named, you know, Sheringham came back and Keno came back and Defoe came back and they, they come back. There's something special about Tottenham. And I think if we focus on that, we, the fans, the trust, if we focus on that and we get behind the project in, in instead of asking for a kit refund, we, we just, you know, we go and say, Hey, why don't you put matters on the back and, in, instead of Kane and we keep it moving. Um, there's a lot to be said from and I hate this phrase, acting like a big club. And I hate the phrase too, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. It just it. it sucks. But Liverpool sold Coutinho, and all of a sudden went on a run. I'm just saying the the and I explained this to my son today when I had to tell him that Harry was gone. And I said, you know, the the badge on the front of the shirt will always be more important than the name on the back. And we move. And you know. Fans of other clubs, you know, the ones that are considered the the big clubs that have been up there for a long time, they they don't usually get to experience what we've experienced with having a player like Kane for as long as we did. So if you want to think of it that way, we can have some gratitude for how long he did play for the club and that we have those memories, which don't go away. So, no, nope. that's the old uh, what's the line, you know, smile, smile because it happened. Don't cry because it's over type. Of, I, I don't think I butchered that, but you get the point. Um Let's talk about something that kind of made me smile briefly today. The the away kit was released just kind of quietly through all of this noise over the last 48 hours. The club realized, uh, oh, yeah, we're playing Brentford on Sunday and we're away and we're going to have to wear our, our non-white kit. And uh, they threw out the away kit and 
I guess, you know, for, for those who know, there's one member of the depot here that, that has terrible kit it takes, and that's Dakota, but he had to duck out of the pot a little early. So uh, we're going to get to talk freely amongst ourselves about how, whether we like the kit or not, and not have to hear his garbage opinions on, on, on the kit. What, uh, what did Scott, what do you think about this, this new away kit? Are you a fan? Big fan. I think it's really clean. I think it's simple. I think it looks great on the field. Dakota was was it on the fence about it, which means it's a very nice kit. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I, I really like it. I, uh, I, I take a little bit of issue with the with the league's third kit, and I know we'll get to that. But it's got those fucking neck spikes, and I just don't understand it. But, but, but the away kit is really, really clean, um, as is the home, honestly. But I'll, I'll continue to look forward to, to to seeing us play in the away kit, though, without a doubt. I think Caroline and I share a similar view as to where I, I like the kit. It looks nice on the players. Probably not something I would ever buy or wear. It just doesn't look like it would be good on me. Right, Caroline? Yeah, you know, it's growing on me. Like, looking at it, I like to see it on the players. I think on the pitch, it actually looked pretty great. Um, especially on Perisic, I have to say. He was really working it. Um, but I'm not someone who likes collars on kits, personally, like as a long hair haver. So... I, I probably won't purchase it unless it really grows on me. But yeah, I don't I don't hate it. I think it's it looks pretty classic, which is kind of nice as we're like returning to sort of classic Tottenham attacking vibes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like, like that I like part that of it. And it's not it's not anywhere near as bad as last year. So whew, thank God. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, I'm all about it. I uh, was rocking it this morning for any of those who saw our socials. Um, big fan. I literally told a buddy of mine who asked me what I thought of it. Um, I said, it's so clean. I might buy two. Uh, and that that's a hundred percent where we're at. I will say when we saw it online the first time, I thought it looked like a fucking bowling shirt and I was very bummed out about it. And when I got it in person, I will say that the details of this kit absolutely make the kit. So try it for yourself. And, and I can appreciate as a long hair haver not wanting the collar on the kit. But I will say that without the collar, I wouldn't like this kit nearly as much. I, you know, I get your point there. And I'm a no, no hair haver. And I don't really love, um, love collars either. But I kind of agree. The collar does kind of make this one because of the, the, the different tone of the rest of the kit. It, it, it pops and it, it, I don't know. There's something about it. I, I, when I realized we were playing Brentford away and we were going to have to wear an away kit because you don't wear white at Brentford typically with their red and white kit. Um, I just, I was like, Oh, what's, what's this going to be? And to me, the funniest part was the rollout of the whole damn thing because it came in the midst of Harry Kane and Youngman's son captaincy and all this well, stuff over the last few days. That, that was humorous to me that the club didn't really get to do a true like away kit rollout because of all the other shit going on. That, that, that made me chuckle. Well, that really is what it is, is because Madison's a 10. Right, so you couldn't do like your hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it, it. I don't know. It, it filled me with joy. Uh, Manchester United next Saturday. That's where we're at. Um, <laughs> home debut for Ange. Uh, vibes, all of it. It, it. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to see. Uh, I actually did not even see what Manchester United did this weekend uh, to to even preview uh, the match. But we'll we'll kind of get to it when we get to it. We've already gone quite long today. Uh, and I wanted to kind of bring up a little bit of the women's world cup before we get out of here, because we're down to the semifinals and that, um, and we're down to uh, 
two really juicy matchups too: uh, England and Australia, and then Sweden and Spain. Uh, Caroline, I know you again are are our trooper on this, just burning the candle and watching all these games. I watched, I did watch the. Was it who did Sweden play? They played the Netherlands, right? Am I wrong about that? No, Japan. Japan. I mean, Wasn't it? Japan. I, think. I watched. I yeah, I watched. That's the now. game I watched. <laughs> They are, I know. I I watched uh, I watched one of those quarterfinals, and the rest of them were too late for me. But I did catch a few of them on replay. The Australia match was really cool. In fact, Ange was even asked about the Matildas uh, advancing and how he. C- it's kind of cool for him. He gets to be in England while Australia and England are going to play this semifinal, which will be you know cool for him if if he gets see to see if he gets bragging rights or not. But um, uh, still still Beth England with a, with a chance you know, to, to, to make this run. And, um, these semifinals are, are this week with the final coming a week from today. So, uh, that's, that's been fun to watch, right? Yeah, it has. I'm just, I, I feel like I'm at the point where I can no longer make predictions because either I'm just a massive jinx or I don't know. It's things have not gone the way I expected because I really, really thought Japan was going to win the whole thing. Um, and Sweden, Sweden were tricksy, as obviously we know as U.S. fans as well. Um, but I think at this point, I have to be rooting for Australia, not just for Ange, but because it would be just immense for them to win at their home World Cup. And you can already see like the, the enthusiasm that the Australian nation has had for this tournament has been just beautiful to see. Um, and everyone likes Sam Kerr, right? I feel like everyone just kind of like respects that she's yeah. one of the best in the game and like you can't hate her, you know? <laughs> I think that's right. I think I think you're exactly right about that. Um it, it would be and it she, would be cool she, to see. There is a potential universe where she ends up American through marriage, right? So we gotta we gotta appreciate that. Um <laughs> Fair enough. I uh I I love I love that power couple for the two of them. It's just fucking fantastic. Yeah, I'm confused though about how Christy Mewis has not had to go back to work. Um, I'm like cool for her. But I'm like all her other teammates have gone back, and she's just like still there, <laughs> using all the PTO yeah. that she has. Would be nice. Yeah, it, 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 we we are guaranteed now two of a first time World Cup winner, which is really cool. Um, we were guaranteed that after I think it was after Japan went out. So uh, it, it'll be it'll be cool to see whoever lifts the cup next weekend, but. That is uh, that is certainly something to look forward to as the women's season, women's World Cup, winds down, and the women's season now right around the corner, just a few weeks away from from getting getting going as uh, as the players make their way back from Australia and New Zealand. Um, and to your point, you you mentioned you, thank you, Caroline. You pointed out in the group that I, I mentioned Manchester United. I'm not sure what they did this weekend. That's because they didn't play this weekend. They don't play until Monday, Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, which is actually kind of wild that they're playing Monday and then we play Saturday next week. So they're getting the shorter the shorter break. They play Wolves on Monday, so. That'll be both teams first. Those are the only two Premier League teams yet to play uh, is Wolves and Manchester United, and that game is on Monday. So we'll see what comes of it. But um, that's going to do it for us this week here on The Depot. We'll be back with you next week following that big, big home clash between Tottenham and Manchester United. That will be one to watch and and very excited to see what the what the boys have. Hopefully, Christian Romero uh, clears c- concussion protocol and is able to play, but if not, Let's go, Dav. Let's go, Big Dav, and, and get in there and do what you did today, and uh, you know, don't have those wobbles that, that we are so so accustomed to so far. Uh, let's run down the social media handles here. We've got Shuban is at the real Shuban. Dakota is at Dakota J Booth. Todd is at TC underscore Kasho. 
Scott is at DSM Spurs. Caroline is at CG Stefko. I am at Aestetka. We are at Tottenham Depot on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on threads and we're also on TikTok. You can check us out there posting some new content on the TikTok as of late. Um, and we, we are going to continue to cover this team because it is exciting now. It feels it feels feel rejuvenated after the season is now underway and uh, and a, and a, a strong draw away to a good team. Um, feeling feeling very buoyed by by this this opening Premier League weekend and and how things have gone. So we'll be back with you next week to uh, talk more Spurs. Until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>